everybody, you are listening to the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast, hosted by Accelerate Head Performance Coach, Ben Tillis. You are about to hear strategies that have helped produce many elite middle distance and distance runners over the last 15 years. He shares why running success doesn't have to be hard. You just have to know a few key tools. From workout strategies to important info on sleep and nutrition, you are guaranteed to learn something that will help you in your running journey. Be prepared to get faster, stronger, and better in your racing and training. So, as always, sit back, buckle up, enjoy the ride. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast. I'm your host, Ben Tillis. It's great to be back uh, on the podcast here and getting a chance to talk with all of you as we head towards the start of the school track and field season. It's been a barn burner of an indoor season, uh, both here in the Midwest and around the country um, from athletes uh, from the East Coast, West Coast, and even right here uh, in Central Iowa. There have been some amazing performances and I cannot wait to see what happens as we venture into the next few months uh, with everything starting up here in the Midwest uh, here over the next few weeks. So before we dive into the season, I wanted to start a new series where we talk about different things in training that may or may not be valuable uh, to different coaches, different athletes. Some of these might apply directly to your situation. Some might not apply at all, but you know what? They're all kind of cool to learn about. And if you're the type of athlete, parent, coach that loves to hear something maybe defined in a way that you haven't heard it before or broken down in a unique way, this is the place to be. Uh, We're going to start off with one that has been widely debated, and that is long, slow distance running for improving VO2 max. And I'm going to give you five reasons why that might be dumb today. That might uh, hit some of you in a funny way, and already I can feel some of you heading to your um, your your social media accounts or into our comment section and typing away like crazy why maybe long, slow distance running isn't dumb, but maybe why I'm dumb. Uh, you know, feel free, go for it, totally get it. But before you do that, I want to share those thoughts, and then I'm also going to share some reasons why, of course, it has value to a lot of applications that we have um, across our sport. But some of the reasons why it might be dumb, we're going to start with number one. One of the main reasons that implementing uh, too much long, slow distance running during your season is that you might be doing it uh, at the wrong time of year. Okay. So might not be dumb all the time, but there might be a time of the season when it is dumb. If you're periodizing your season in such a way that you're trying to hit big performances at certain times of the year, one of the very first times uh, of the of the year that you want to start to decline that long, slow distance running is as you start to get into more of the specific phase of preparation for the season. Why is that? Well, we know that all work is VO2 work, all right? Whether you're going slow or fast, the faster you go, the more you are going to raise your VO2 in that same amount of time, but obviously we're going to be limited at the volume of that faster work that you can do. So as you head into the season and maybe you're an 800 runner and you start to um, do more intense interval work, you can't also do massive amounts of long, slow work. One, you're going to be counteracting the very gains you're trying to make with the anaerobic system. And two, you may be in a position where you're also just, it's from a, 
a, a standpoint of recovery, um, your body just is not going to be able to do both at the same level. There's only so much uh, your body can do and still make positive adaptations. All right. So one may be the time of the year. It's just dumb to do long, slow distance training during that time in your training block. Number two, you might be an athlete that does not respond well to long, slow distance training. All right. That's going to come down to fiber type uh, more than anything, how your body utilizes energy, the way you metabolize energy to help you do the job. People with a large amount of fast switch fibers, very explosive fibers, even if they were to try to train for a 5K, long, slow distance running, anything below threshold is going to be a vast majority of that is going to be using only slow twitch fibers um, to do the work. And we're not able to, it's going to be a lot of fat utilization and things that are used more um, when our body is trying to, again, use those slow twitch fibers to help us move more aerobically. Um, but if their fibers are mainly fast twitch or a high proportion of fast twitch, and you don't do enough of the work that utilizes those fibers and helps develop them in a way that they are used to grow, um, you're not going to see any stimulus. So you can't just take a 800 runner who maybe is more inclined to be a 248 type of runner and just say, hey, we've got to add more mileage. We got to just get this kid out plodding along um, just to raise their aerobic system. It's not going to work for them. Um, that's, that's an area that you guys may see that where it is now an area where that might work and it wouldn't be dumb before all of you again, go to the comments. Is there a lot of type of athletes? Uh, maybe they're an 800 runner that runs the mile and two mile, and they have a higher preponderance of slow twitch fibers. And those slow twitch fibers do thrive more on aerobic based training. And so if you're looking at that type of training, it may be really valuable, um, for that athlete to have different types of aerobic work in there, which would include maybe some longer, more relaxed recovery or aerobic based type of runs so that those slow twitch fibers are getting a great amount of work. They're fatiguing and they're coming back stronger. So for an athlete like that, during certain phases of their training, if they're more slow twitch inclined, a lot of that longer, slower running may indeed be valuable. But if you're more of an explosive based runner and you know that you're more of that, you could drop down to the four by four or 200, too much long, slow running is going to not even work the fiber types that you need to complete the event. The next thing is the type of event itself. All right. There may be People who are inclined, you know, for the 400 or something to still have athletes run a lot of longer, slower miles. Um, but the reality with that is that they're the main thing for events a minute and shorter is going to come down to top end speed, which is uh, mainly, you know, uh, influenced by ground force, um, your reaction time off the ground, your rebound speed, your body's ability to store um, and utilize fast, fast, fast energy you know, through the Achilles and the calf and a good ground response, just overall muscular strength and stiffness, things like that, mechanics and whatnot. There is metabolic, um, there are metabolic uh, ways that it can be helped. And there is definitely a VO2 component, but not through long, slow running. What's going to happen is you're going to lose all that mechanical efficiency and power and you're going to develop habits of longer ground contact time and so on. And it's going to, those maybe slight improvements of VO2 that might be able to help them metabolize energy better are going to be offset by significant degrading in the um, ability for 
the body to get on and off the ground with a lot of force quickly. So that may be another time that that is dumb. All right. Uh, the fourth uh, time where that is dumb is maybe you only have a couple months to prepare for an event. Okay. Long, slow training is such that it takes a very, very long amount of time for it to really create adaptations in the body. You may see some quite a bit at first with new developing runners, um, but as you progress and eventually there's not a new stimulus and you're simply just going longer and slower all the time, it takes a very long amount of time. And so why is that? You're actually changing the size of the heart and the ability for the cardiovascular system to be more pliable. Um, that's deep down structural change, not economical or more facilitative change that we would see with things like stroke volume uh, in the heart, um, where, you know, just the, the simple, maybe the pathways become faster and, and we've got uh, changes that, are, that create more power in a short amount of time, like we might see with shorter interval um, type of VO2 training Tabata training, um, hit training, etc. Um, but if you're somebody that's, so maybe it's, you know, you haven't trained a lick and here we are coming up on February or March. If you just decide, Hey, I got to get fit. So I got to do a lot of long, slow running. You're going to get fit a little bit right away from the standpoint of pretty much anything will start to help your fitness. Um, uh, if you're coming off of not really doing much work at all, but the reality is if all you're trying to do is is once a year get in shape for an 800 meter run or a mile run. Um, and then you're going to go right back for the next nine months into other sports and things where you're not building a consistent aerobic development. Um, then there really isn't a huge reason to be doing a lot of that longer, slower running. That running is going to accumulate over a long period of time that begins to, like, like I mentioned, slowly actually make structural changes to the cardiovascular system that will be very, very valuable for those of you that train a long time. So there's the opposite when it might not be dumb, might be if you are somebody that's training year round and you're somebody that's looking to uh, maybe expand your career out over several seasons, uh, multiple years, multiple decades even, that long, slow approach and accumulating miles in that range will have an impact on overall structure, um, uh, mitochondria, capillary beds, and so on. Okay, so that's something to keep in mind. But if you're just having maybe a six to 10 week season where you've just got a small window to get fit, um, you know, don't be afraid of throwing some of it in there, but it better not be the only thing you're doing because it, it has just takes way too long um, for that to really make a big impact on your overall performance levels. You'd be better off attacking hit training. There's been some studies on like the Tabata um, type of workouts or hit training, um, you know, shorter intervals. Uh, maybe even 100 to 200 meter intervals with pretty short recoveries um, that, that have dramatically improved VO2 max in a much shorter amount of time. Those, though, on the other hand, are only changing uh, economical changes. They're not really structurally changing. So when you go away from them, uh, those gains will disappear uh, pretty quickly as well, as opposed to the structural change gains um, can keep you pretty fit for a long period of time. All right. So those are uh, four of the keys to, to what it might be, why it might be dumb to focus on long, slow distance running. And the last one simply is why it might be dumb is that some of you may purely be doing this just to show off to your friends on Strava. You might just be trying to get more mileage than other people in your training group or just other people you plan to be racing. You're just trying to intimidate them or just try to use it as a means to pump yourself up. Um, if that's the only reason you're doing it, 
you might be missing out on other training stimuluses that that don't require as much volume, but could have an equally positive impact on your uh, overall overall performance level, simply because the biggest thing that you're worried about in showing people is that final mileage number that day or that week, rather than being able to find ways to show, if you really want to show that to people, sometimes it's not as easy to for them to dive into the inner workings of the workout to see where you got better. So we use mileage as a quick, uh, you know, cheat code to say how hard we're working. So don't use long, slow distance as a, as a cheat code, just to tell people you're working hard. All right. Yes. It's a lot of work takes a long time um, high amount of volume but don't that'd be a dumb reason for you to focus on it okay if you actually have some reasons like we talked about the the body is more inclined to benefit from slow twitch training or slow twitch fibers so the long slow training will help it um, if it's the right time of year where maybe it's early enough in the off season we're building that large base um, and movement economy isn't as important that's another time to use it um, longer events is when that's going to be important um, so those are the types of things where, as you're looking at it, you've got to really realize that there really are some dumb times to train just purely long and slow. But for those of you that are more in that camp on that long, slow training, trust me, I use it all the time with athletes as well. It just depends on the type of athlete. And honestly, you never really know till we see them in, in the facility where we're able to take blood and figure out, okay, is this the type of athlete that would benefit from more of the slow twitch type of training, fast switch type of training, and so on. Again, it's really only uh, abundantly obvious if you get in and you get a blood draw. Obviously, it's one of those things that we're able to do at Accelerate at our lab and, uh, you know, would love to have you come in if this is something that interests you and you want to make sure you're getting the right types of training at the right time and you're not doing things that are dumb at the wrong time of year, right when you know you need to be performing at the highest level. So uh, there you have it. Hopefully that gives you some reasons why uh, certain types of training might not make the most sense uh, at certain times, but everything has its place at the right time. So don't uh, go running off telling everybody uh, that we just said it's always dumb. So uh, listen to the podcast, get all the full information and make sure you know when to use it, how to use it, um, and the best ways for you to benefit from it. Um, in our next podcast, we're going to talk about five reasons why the anaerobic, focusing on anaerobic and high intensity intervals is dumb. So we're going to kind of flip the scales a little bit and look at why reasons why that might not be beneficial for you as well. So we're just hitting all angles of it and giving you a chance to maybe uh, get drawn in and hear uh, what we have to say. Uh, and hopefully by doing so, you find something that is valuable to you as an athlete uh, and you can take it back and have great performances. All right. So that's everything we've got for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it every time you listen to us. One of the things, though, that helps us out a ton is if you can subscribe to that podcast. Just do it right now. Hit the subscribe button. If you're on a social account or you can get to one really fast, follow us, subscribe, like, hit every time you have a chance to hit one of those. Um, it gives us the opportunity to reach more and more athletes to improve what they do as well as pop up on your feed um, where you're looking for more content every time that we produce something. So make sure you're doing that and uh, can't wait to see you guys uh, in one of these future podcasts and stay tuned for all kinds of new content coming out here in 2024. All right, take care, everybody.